When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket and I hope you're enjoying the weather at least under lockdown which has been absolutely glorious in the absence of any cricket at least we can get outside and, and hope that the cricket will be back before long and just a reminder an apology actually for those of you who haven't yet received the Cricketer magazine for this month a, a magazine issue that's all about books and the best cricket books to read and lots of great recommendations from the stars of the game and the, as well as uh, some journalists and some authors of course uh, but that has been slightly held up by the printers and it should be with you this week. So apologies for that. And if you haven't yet subscribed to The Cricketer magazine, go to www.thecricketer.com forward slash subscribe. There's a special offer at the moment of 35 quid for 12 issues, which is the best uh, that we've had uh, offer-wise for quite a long time. So uh, get into that. Uh, we've got lots of really fascinating content. We're working hard to make sure there's plenty to read, even though there's no actual cricket being played. Now, I thought as a, a filler for this week, I'd take you back exactly 12 months. It's May the 27th, 2019. England have just drubbed Afghanistan in a warm-up match for the ICC World Cup. And it's three days until the first game, that first match, of course, against South Africa at the Oval. All the build-up was heading that way. It was all incredibly exciting. And I thought we'd uh, do, at that point, a preview of the tournament with one of my best friends in the game, one of the sharpest minds in the game, Ian Smith, the former New Zealand wicketkeeper and now, of course, commentator, who, as it turned out, had a, a big part to play in the World Cup. And what I thought I'd do is, is replay a preview of the tournament with Ian Smith just after England have handed out that uh, thrashing to Afghanistan in the warm-up game. And it's just interesting to look back now at his thoughts just prior to the tournament starting. And for once, a man who quite often has been fairly critical of England really did rate their chances. You're right, because a few years back I did have a bit of a crack at English cricket when I was working for Channel 4. I, th I thought that you probably wouldn't 
were in the ashes for quite some time, and, and that proved to be right. Um, but now, um, really, I guess, since their poor performance at the last World Cup, where England were, were not up to scratch, their ability to turn it round under the leadership of uh, Owen Morgan and the style of cricket that they play, which I think began when New Zealand were here last time. Yeah. And there was a really massive, high-scoring series. I think uh, England was 400 at Edgebaston. Uh, and they've just changed uh, their approach. And I believe... Uh, that Owen Morgan and Brendan McCullum are close friends. So, in fact, I think Brendan McCullum spoke at yeah. Owen Morgan's wedding. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And, and they're that close, so they've got interest in horses and, and all sorts of things. So, And uh, clearly they've talked a little bit about the strategy of one-day cricket, and it's rubbed off because Owen Morgan has brought a, a style of captaincy, a style of aggressive captaincy that McCullum sort of, I think, invented a wee bit back in, in 2015. That style was based around the fact never let a ball go by, which is wasted. And Brendan McCullum's mind, every time he had a bowler running in, he wanted to get a wicket, and every time a bowler was running in at one of his batsmen, he wanted it to go for four, or runs at least. So that attitude filtered through, and it worked for New Zealand. And it quite clearly, a similar attitude has, has come into English cricket but you've got to have the firepower to back that theory up. It's all very well to say this is how we're going to play, but England have got an amazingly powerful side, which I think have uh, almost got no faults. And, and I think that if they get it right throughout this tournament, uh, I think they win. There it's, you go. It's typical of a of a Kiwi to still try and claim mm. credit for for England's resurgence. But I, I totally take your point, actually. And I remember talking to Brendan McCullum on that very tour, 2015, just after England's disastrous performance in the the World Cup, and of course New Zealand getting to the to the final and, and not being able to get over the line. But um, I remember talking to McCullum and him saying he wanted to bring through uh, the idea that when you open the curtains in the morning and you look out. It's a sunny day and you're going to play cricket. Mm. And that's the feeling he had as a kid, or you know, even, as a, mm. even as a teenager. And he wanted to sort of bring that spirit to the game, even to the international game. Yeah. And he sort of achieved it, and it did rub off on England. I, I, look, the slogan under Brendan McCullum was dare to dream. New Zealand had never won the World Cup, had never made a final. Uh, but they had it at home. They, had, they felt like they, at that stage they had a, quite a powerful side in a lot of departments. But they still weren't confident of getting as far as they did. But the, the, the theme was, dare to dream. Brendan McCullum, dare to dream. Dream with us. And I think there's a little bit about that with England as well. You've never won it. I mean, mm. you've been to three finals. You've never won it, and it's been a long time since you've been serious contenders. So uh, there's an element of dare to dream about this from England's point of view, I believe. Now, let's just look uh, a little bit sort of on a parallel line, in a way, something you know very intimately about, the All Blacks, who frequently come into tournaments as the favourites and invariably win those tournaments. I mean, World Cup winners and so on in rugby. There's a way they deal, or probably a number of ways, in which they deal with handling that pressure. What is it, and could England learn from that? I think one of the things you've got to be, and I was lucky enough to, to follow um, New Zealand's campaign throughout the UK when they won the World Cup four years ago, and I only focused on all-black games, which gave me a lot of time to sit back, and we stayed in a lot of the same hotels. And what I saw about the all-blacks was uh, a very inward-looking bunch of men. Well, within their structures, they didn't go outside the square too much. They knew what their roles were. Uh, they knew that um, they had a side to win it, if they followed those 
particular roles that they'd set out for themselves. So I believe um, that's what England have got to do. There is a similarity, there is a parallel, because you know you've got the firepower to win it. Your biggest problem, I think, is, is you're playing at home. It's an advantage, but it can also be a disadvantage because the levels of pressure upon you to come up with the goods, this England side will probably have not experienced before. Sure, they've been a good side away from home, but this is massive for them. And for each of them in their own individual careers, this might be the last chance saloon, a lot of them, with a power pack side like they've got. So they've got this pressure of having to deliver. And I don't know if you can put... Uh, you can't put a dollar price on that or a pound price on that, but what kind of price can you put on it? The ability to handle it certainly is a very, very valuable commodity. And that's why I say the All Blacks were very inward-looking and they made sure that everything they did was within their group, whether they train, whether they play, whether they mix socially, whatever. They kept it just for that six, seven-week period of your life. You've got to do that. And I suppose, in a way, that's why a decision like releasing Alex Hales mm. from the group was important because it, it, it emphasised the importance of being a team and mm. working for each other and so on. Is another sport that, again, is close to your heart and uh, a sportsman who dealt with pressure in a particular way, Tiger Woods. Mm. Uh, I remember hearing a story from, actually, from J- Justin Rose, who played with Tiger in a, a final round of a tournament, and he said Woods, who was leading that particular tournament, came to the tournament uh, on the last day and was incredibly relaxed mm. and didn't put himself under too much pressure. What he said was allowed the round to come to him mm. and then gradually, as he got closer to winning that last final round and, and therefore the tournament, he, he really sort of focused mm. and he narrowed his whole approach. But for the first half of it, you know, he was able to relax. And I suppose if you put yourself under too much pressure, you get too tense, mm. and then you aren't allowing your natural ability to flow. Yeah, that's... that's so you've external. got to get a balance there. That, that's external. You know, that, that's, that's external. But you can control external, as I said, by, by making sure that as a unit you're, you're looking at each other inside rather than outside. And I think there's... There's a bit to, to, to be said about that. I like that England are playing South Africa. A lot of people will say, gee, that's a dangerous first game. I think it's a terrific first game for England. It would have been worse if they'd have struck Afghanistan in this kind of mood today because whilst they would have won comfortably, would they have felt like the tournament had started? Would they have felt like they've achieved anything? And I think they'll find that having a very strong and tough and gritty, give-nothing-away opponent like South Africa, which will challenge them and challenge them very, very hard, uh, I think if they come out on top of that, they'll feel as if they've really got this tournament underway. I think it's a good draw. I really do. Packed house here at the Oval, fantastic. And who do you pick out from, from England? I mean, we've seen a sort of demolition mm. job today by the batsmen, mm. but who do you like from, from England in particular who you think is going to possibly shape their destiny? Yeah, well, look, I, I, I think the batting unit, which goes so deep, is, is, is crucial to them because if they want to play that way, you, you you're going to have guys that are going to fail, but you've got enough depth that you can carry the fight for, for longer than most sides. So I think that's important. Uh, so you're talking, you know, Butler, Murray yeah. Alley, Chris Wokes down the order. They will be crucial because there will be times when when Root and Bearstow and Roy fail. I mean, that is cricket. There will be a pitch that they come upon or it might swing against somebody. They'll nick a couple and all of a sudden, instead of being, you know, none for 60 off eight, they could be three for 35. And that means you're going to have to rebuild. But you can. England have got the strength and the depth to do that. 
A lot of people think, um, you know, scoring 350 will be a necessity, and it will, I think, on two or three occasions, a side will have to score either setting up 350 or chasing 350, which in days gone by was a dream. It's not now, it's a reality. So I believe England have got the firepower to do that. I'm not saying you're going to have to score 200 or 350 to win the World Cup final, because there's a different kind of pressure coming in on a one-off occasion like that. 250 might be enough because that kind of pressure breeds mistakes. Uh, look, I, I think that they're best placed because at the end of the day, cricket's always been about who scored the most runs, to be fair, and I, I think they look um, best equipped across the board to do that. And they have got a, um, they've got a well-balanced bowling attack. You know, you've got a, a very good leg spinner. You've got a right-arm off spinner. You, you, you've, you've got a, a pace attack that can use the new ball well. And Archie, you've got some genuine firepower. The balance looks absolutely ideal. And I know I'm heaping so much pressure and so much favouritism on them, but I just look across the board and I think that they have got the firepower and the balance to do it. Having said that, they've never won it before. Australia know how to win World Cups, and now that they're re-galvanising, for better or for worse, they've got those two guys back that were, you know, were ostracised, and so they should have been, but they're back, um, and they know how to win. It's a, and that's a hell of an asset. What about your own country, just briefly? I know they're sort of ten to one; they're outsiders. Mm. They could get to the semi-finals. I think it's the hardest thing making the playoffs. Uh, I love the format. There's no pool of death. There's no easy pool. The only thing that might upset you, you could have a bad run with the weather. You could get a week where a couple of games that you thought you might win, uh, you don't. You're deprived of points. That could happen, but that's cricket. We play it outside, and so so be it. Uh, but all going to plan. Um, I think getting to the last four and then it's on the day and you and I both know and people listening to this will know that when it comes down to a one-off opportunity rather than the course of a whole competition the rules change and you get one crack at the, one crack of the whip so uh, look, I, I think getting there might be the issue I, I think England, um, Australia and India I think are pretty much a shot's eye I think there's four or five sides looking for spot number four um, and that, that will be the hard place to fill. New Zealand's got a well-balanced side too. I mean, you know, they, there's a great saying in sport, you've got to lose a final before you know how to win one. Well, they lost the last World Cup final and a lot of those personnel are back. Um, and no McCullum, no Vittori, two senior players, no Grant Elliott, the magician. That, they're, they're not here, sure, but they still have a nucleus and Salvi and Bolt. And uh, they've just beaten India as And well. they've just fixed up India very comfortably the other day. I know, it's a day. warm-up game. It was, it was, but, you know... You, you can only play what's in front of you, and they completely outplayed India that day. They, they looked more interested, and they played that way as well. So uh, so they've got uh, the key players for me, Southie and Bolt. If the ball swings, big asset. Top of the order, Guptill, who plays very, very well in England. I mean, you and I have both seen him score real big runs over here. Uh, he's, a, he's a real trump card. And then you've got your Williamson tail factor, which is the experience. Hmm. Outside of that, you have a side which, um, to be fair, three or four of those guys... On form, I quite like Mitchell Sanger yeah, as a cricketer. Actually, he's a not a bad cricketer, but to me, he's he's not a he hasn't stood up and said I want to own a game yet. He can do both bowl actually, and I, bat. I pretty saw well. him uh, winning yeah. an IPL game. Actually, yeah. he hit a six off the last ball off Ben Stokes. And I yeah. know you're going to go well. It was only IPL, but yeah. there was a bit of pressure there. Yeah. But but I take your point. And um, are you I, you're here commentating? Obviously, yeah. are you commentating on the final? Don't know. I, I think I I'm suppose here. You, you will if New Zealand. I, yeah, really. if New Zealand are here, I, I, I would imagine I'd be there. But if, if not, I mean, there's three Kiwis over here. We've got 
yeah. uh, myself and Simon Doyle and, uh, and, and Bez. And aforementioned McCullum. Bez, yes. Brendan McCullum is here, uh, who's not done a lot of commentary, but of course his knowledge of how to play this game and how to, uh, how to make it work uh, will be invaluable on the commentary box. So, um, who, look, who knows? I think this is my fifth World Cup in terms of commentary, and I've played in three, so... That's eight. Well, yeah, uh, well it's we 30, can't get rid of you. It's 32 years of your life. You'd think you'd find something else to do, wouldn't you? <laughs> uh, and who are you actually looking forward to commentating with the most? Well, look, you know, it's a changing world. I, I look at that commentary team that they've assembled, and I'm the second eldest. My God. Um, thank God for Mikey Holding. <laughs> That's all I can say. Uh, so Mikey and me are senior status, senior statesman, I guess, and then, um, of course, Mark Nicholas is in the group. Love working with Mark. Um, very professional. You and Athers have a sort of bit Athers, of a Atherton love and, hate, don't you? Atherton and um, Hussain Nasser, and I, yeah, yeah. I, I call him Beaky for uh, Hussain, Obvious. obviously. And Atherton's got the body of a 930-year-old, so he's creaky. So Beaky <laughs> and Creaky and, and me, and they call the sneaky. The, no, they call you me. Sneaky? They they call me the incredibly, incredibly wide third man. <laughs> So we have that uh, rapport that we have, but hey, look, it's, it's 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 like a reunion when you come to a World Cup. As much as it is for players, it is for commentators as well. And there's uh, there's a women's influence that I haven't worked with, um, in, in terms of uh, Mel Jones and Alison Mitchell and and uh, Ishigawa. So uh, that's cool, and and the world of commentary is changing in that regard in all sports, uh, which is fine. Um, and, and and then of course you've got your Ramis, Rajas, and your. Was he Macram? Was he Macram? Was he Macram? Michael Slaters and your Michael Clarks, and yeah. they'll be under pressure, of course. Um, hey, look, it's just fantastic. Um, Sean Pollock, Graham mm. Smith, great, yeah, yeah, terrific players and great blokes. And and uh, you know what it's like in a commentary box. You have a, you, you form a great rapport over the years, and it's it is. It's just it's in social, but come the game day, just like the players, it's business. Well, I hope it's not your last, actually, because we'll, we'll miss you anyway. So uh, thanks for your time mm. today. One last tip for the winners. Yeah, look, uh, hey, look, um, if someone said to me, here's 100 quid, I'll put 90 on England and 10 on New Zealand. OK, well, some really prescient comments by Ian Smith leading up to that tournament. And what an incredible tournament it was. What an amazing win it was. We heard last week from Nick Holt, who's done the book with Steve James, Looking back at the World Cup, uh, Morgan's Men, it's called. It's out in July. Uh, We've also got some stories about that in this month's Cricketer magazine as well. And I'm trying to work on a documentary all about that great tournament too. So lots to look forward to in the future. As promised, next week we will be doing our special look at cricket sounds and the things we're missing so far this summer. They'll be back soon, though, and so will we this time next week. Speak to you then. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.